0: Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, my message this morning is a very, very simple word. Um, As I sort of like uh, decided to study it a little bit and get into it, I realized that while simple, it actually has very far-reaching Consequences and effects into a number of other, like even doctrinal areas. I'm not going to get into all that, but it's very simple, a very simple word, but yet very powerful when we when we follow it. Uh, and so, <clears throat> simple, and it's all through the landscape of Scripture. Uh, however, since this, the Bible was written in a time and in a culture that's very different from ours today. It's something that we don't maybe recognize and resonate with uh, and therefore a lot of times we just gloss over it We don't even see that it's there speaking to us. So uh, but it is there speaking to us And uh, we're going to look at that today. So we are going to talk about being a servant Very simple concept in scripture being a servant and there is quite a lot of scripture that speaks to this We are going to look at just some of the verses That uh, have to do with being a servant, and I'm pretty confident we're gonna come away with a pretty good understanding of what it means to be a servant and how to function in that regard in God's kingdom. So, our first scripture is gonna be in Genesis 24. Will it work? Okay. And this is Abraham uh, having his servant swear an oath to get a son for Isaac from his people, not from the people of Canaan. And uh, he says, uh, Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, and in the King James it reads the eldest servant, who ruled over all that he had. Please put your hand under my thigh. That was the, the custom of, of taking an oath. So the word there, the Hebrew word for servant is ebed. And as we might expect, it means to work and serve and do labor for another. The interesting thing about this scripture is in the the context of their culture at the time, the eldest servant in the house wasn't the oldest servant. It was the servant with the most authority. So it was the servant that was the most trustworthy, the most faithful, a very close relationship with the master, with their Lord. That person was called the eldest. So certainly implications to us. Uh, The other scripture there in John chapter 2, and this is Jesus' mother speaking to the servants before he changes the water to wine. His mother said, to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. That word for servants, the Greek word is diakonos. That's where we get our word for deacon. And it means an attendant, uh, one who waits at tables, one who executes the commands of another. So you're doing stuff for someone else when they say to do it. Pretty simple understanding of of what a servant is. So we'll just keep building and adding layers and layers on how the Scriptures speak to what it means to be a servant. Our next one is uh, Acts chapter 3. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant, Jesus. So now we know that, you know, we always talk about how Jesus is our example, and it's especially true even of this particular topic of being a servant. some of the versions read his son or his child, and the reason is because the Greek word there is pahis, which actually means a young man or a child servant. So Jesus, our example of, he was his father's servant, and he lived his life to implement and fulfill his father's will and to live a life of service. So that's we definitely look to Jesus as our example, you know, in that regard. And then we're going to go to the Psalms, and there's a beautiful Psalm here that has a number of implications to how we relate to God uh, in this area of being a servant. And this is Psalm 123, Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master as the eyes of a maid or a female servant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until He is gracious to us. Many of the versions read, until he has mercy on us, uh, and for a real good reason there. So interesting thing to note about this, again, with the culture, uh, servants and masters, so the master communicated to the servants what they wanted with very few words. It was actually with hand motions and gestures. So the servants had to really pay attention and keep close watch on the motion. And and obviously that speaks to that a very close relationship because the servant became sort of intuitive as to what the master wanted. So I thought of, when I first read on that, the first thing I thought of that came to my mind was, so on our music teams up here, we have different people that lead the songs. And um, it's not real noticeable, but a number of them have a series of hand signals worked out that tell the rest of the team, and even our media people are keyed in on it, they tell them if they're going to repeat uh, a stanza or go back to a chorus or to a refrain or whatever. So all done with hand signals. So everybody has to be, you know, watching the hand signals to know where they want to go. So kind of early neat illustration of that. Another thing uh, about the, the scripture that it shows us is that the servant looks to his or her master simply for what direction to do, what the job is. Uh, for what the will of their master or their Lord is. The servant looks to them to see What their will is, and it certainly implies submission to that will and a desire to do that will. The servant also looks to his or her master for food and provision. That was also part of the culture, so uh, if you had servants in your house, If you were the master, you were the head of that house, you were the one that provided for those servants. And in Proverbs 31, where the woman of noble character, it reads how she provides for her family and gives a portion to her servants. And we see that a number of times throughout Scripture, the master provided for the servants. And the context of the psalm, Psalm 123, it was written during a period in God's people's history uh, where they were actually... uh, under a lot of distress, uh, even correction from God, uh, many think. It talks about how they were filled with contempt and the scorn of those around them, persecuting them, and they were looking to God for His mercy and favor and for Him to put an end to all their distress. Um, And also in a similar way with masters and servants, if a servant behaved badly, uh, it was uh, understood that there would be correction. Coming from the master towards the servant. And the, the servant would look to the master to put an end to the correction. So there's a number of pretty obvious implications from this scripture on how we relate to God. And the first one is that uh, we certainly are His servants. We, this, as the servant looks to the hand of the master, right? And so the point here being, you know, just really underscored that we are His servants. He is not ours. And our God is not a vending machine. He is not uh, at our every beck and call. He listens. He loves us. But we are His servants. Real important to understand that. And uh, as His servants, we are to watch closely as though He were motioning with His hands to learn His will for us. And this smacks of paying attention and watching closely, often and diligently and frequently and consistently, paying attention so as not to miss a signal. Again, certainly submission to the hand of our Lord. And we're also to look to God for His provision. And we know that we have a part to play in that. We have work to do. We have to go do our jobs and do it well and steward our money according to God's economy and live according to His ways and His kingdom. But ultimately, we know our provision is from the hand of God. And we also know that there are times... Whoops, what happened there? Okay. There are times when... uh, We step out of line outside of the will of God for us and and He corrects us. He brings things our way in our life to kind of get us back, wake us up, and uh, get us back in line with what He would have us be doing. Uh, That's definitely part of the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father as servants to our Lord is correction. But we are His servants. So to Acts chapter 4. And this is Peter and John, after having been arrested for sharing the gospel, they were released and and threatened. Now they're back with the church, and they're, they're praying, and they say, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. So they're referring to themselves as Christ's servants and followers of God. And the Greek word there is doulos, and that means devoted to another, to the disregard of one's own interests. It means voluntary. I mean, one who gives himself up to another's will. So doulos is serving God by choice. It's choosing to serve God. Uh, That's God's desire, His will for us who enter into relationship with Him, that we would choose to serve Him. But He leaves that choice up to us. So building on that point in Psalm 143, Revive me, O Lord, King David said, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. So David penned these words when he was uh, experiencing a time of great personal persecution and distress. There were those chasing him to take his life. He was living in caves. He was destitute. He was down and out, kind of at the end of the rope. In times in our own lives, we go through some ser- ser- similar experiences where we just get squeezed and, and persecuted at times and just hard times happen and difficulties. And when that happens, there's a, there's a kind of a boiling down, a stripping away that happens to where all that's left is who we really are. And just a little bit of a sidebar on that. Uh, That's another theme that is very consistent in Scripture. God does allow difficulties in our life. People want to say, like, well, if there's a good God that loves us, why is there pain in the world? Well, this is one reason why. Uh, He uses pain and difficulty and hardship to shape us and refine us and sometimes even to show us direction in His lives. And that's where David was uh, when he said at the end of this psalm, for I am your servant. So David, at his core, even through difficult times and hardships, All he wanted to do was to serve God and to do His will. A great place for us to shoot for. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. I love this word here. So it's huperates. And it means a subordinate assistant. It actually means an under rower, a subordinate rower. So we have a, a rowing team here, a racing team. And you see, they all have an oar. Everybody on the team has an oar. So as, as members of a church, we should have an oar, right? We should have a ministry, a job to do. And they're all going to follow the direction. But we all, you know, God lets us have an oar and row with Him. That's the cool thing about the understanding of this word here. We are His servants, but yet He allows us to serve with Him, in a subordinate role, but to serve with Him, to advance His will and His kingdom on this earth. Very, very cool. Okay, so stop for a minute. So, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. We don't have a really big group here, but time to think about what this would mean to you. Stop and think for a moment. What if you had your own personal servant? What kind of things would you ask your servant to do? Think about that. Your own little person. They're going to follow you around, and just they're at your beck and call. I bet you many would say, change a poopy diaper right? Uh, earlier it came out, uh, mow the lawn, cook, cook the meal, maybe make, clean up after the meal, clean up the dishes, clean up the kitchen, do the laundry. What kind of jobs would you have them do if you had your own personal servant? Something really interesting to ponder, and it actually sheds a lot of light and a better understanding when we read the instructions of Jesus when he says, do for other people whatever you would like to have them do for you. Coined the golden rule, that's not in Scripture, the golden rule, but for some reason that got coined the golden rule, and it's very, very true. That takes us to the Last Supper, so this is going to be in John chapter 13. An interesting thing to note here: This is Jesus giving his final instructions to his, desire, to his disciples. It's his last meal with them before he gets taken away, and the timing is crucial. He has like a list of things that he's covering with them, you know, the vine and the branches and all these different things. And at the top of the list, he's giving them an example of being a servant. Again, that the timing of this is critical. To realize this, it's his last words before he's crucified, and and right after this happens things get crazy and there's there's confusion and fear and all this stuff happens. And so he's speaking these words to them and he's giving them his example of being a servant as he goes around and washes their feet. So a very familiar scripture. And he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, so also you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. So we are God's servants, but we are also to serve others and each other. Be a servant. In 1 Corinthians 9, for though I am free from all men, Paul said, I have made myself a servant to all. That's the word doulos again, voluntary servant. I am choosing to be a servant to all, Paul says, and I win some to the Lord. So it's a choice to make to serve God and other people. For some, serving comes rather naturally. You just kind of have that built into you. For the rest of us, maybe not so natural, maybe not as easy. The, the notion of doing things for other people with no strings attached, no personal agenda attached to it, uh, that might not come as easy to the rest of us. And I'm convinced that that's why in Scripture there is really so much across the Old and New Testament, about being a servant. It's spoken of in literal ways and allegorical ways about how being a servant and relating to God and to others in that capacity. We need to strive to get to the place where we can say, as Paul said, I have made myself a servant to all. So we might think, okay, we're sitting here, be a servant, like why? Why should I be a servant? Like what's in it for me? Why should I even bother? I can just put my trust in Jesus, and when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, right? I'll just live my life the way I want to. I trust in the work of the cross. Why be a servant? Why go through the heartache? Why go through the effort? So there's several reasons. For starters, God commanded it, and we saw in Jesus' teaching, He's commanding, even giving an example of being a servant. Also being a servant is referenced throughout the Bible. And I mention this in literal and allegorical ways depicting our relationship with God and each other. It's over and over again, all throughout all the scripture. It's almost so familiar, we never see it. We never even notice it. Furthermore, it helps us to get along with each other. So think about that one. To relate to each other at a very deep level. There's even a kind of a regard and a respect one to another among those that walk in this truth. A couple of scriptures in Colossians. Are they both up there? Yeah. Paul refers to Epaphras and Tychicus as dear fellow servants, faithful minister, serving God, uh, faithful minister to, of Christ on your behalf. Great example of serving God and each other. And the Greek word there for fellow servant is sundulos, sundulos. And it means exactly what it says, a fellow servant, servants of the same master. And Paul makes reference to these two uh, with very special love in the the writing there. And and he has such high regard for them. And that's because there is a bond and a camaraderie. And uh, this is within the body of Christ, God's family, among those who serve. We want to have close friends. If you find yourself not having close relationships, Get in the trenches and fight with people in serving God for the cause of the kingdom. You will make friendships that will last a lifetime. Also, in Proverbs, and this one seems a little like it doesn't make sense when you first read it, and the word servant isn't right in here, but this is talking about giving and serving. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. So it's not to be our motive in serving God, yet we know that God blesses us when we give and serve Him and others. There is a special replenishing, uh, refreshing, a fulfilling that can only come from being a servant. That's the only way to get it. By giving and serving, and God works through us and fills and gives so we can give some more uh, again, seems counterintuitive to think that way, but that's how it works in God's kingdom. So, be a servant. Serve God. Serve others. It's God's way. It's God's way for Him, for us to live our lives. We honor God in this way. We serve others in this way, and we know that we can receive God's blessing and replenishing and favor as we are serving God and each other. And that at the end of it all, we might hear our Lord say and fill in the blank, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. I've given you charge over a few things. You've been faithful with those. I will put you in charge of many. Welcome and enter into the joy of your Lord. Be a servant and understand the joy of the Lord our God living that way. Amen. Pray with me, please. Lord God, such a very simple, powerful truth. We see it all through Scripture. Lord, may we serve you and put our hand to the plow and just always move forward with focus and dedication, always endeavoring to fulfill your will, even watching closely as you direct us, God. And God, give us a heart to serve, not only you, but even each other, to put others' needs above our own. Lord, I ask that as we go from here, that you give us all just a spirit-filled week where scriptures are read and come alive, and minds are renewed, and opportunities to share the truth of salvation are brought our way, and we share your love and your message. We love you, Lord. We are your servants in Jesus' name. Amen. Please arrive, uh, rise for the ironic blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.